we're going to spend this morning uh, considering Thanksgiving uh, and the importance of a posture of thankfulness in the walk of a follower of Christ. At least I'm going to make the case that I think it's important and hopefully convince you. Um, hopefully it doesn't take too much convincing. You probably think being thankful is a good idea, but perhaps I can dig uh, a little more into that and think about it in some new ways um, or just uh, just just a healthy refresher. Uh, the way I'm going to do that is just by reading almost all of Colossians to you, um, kind of skipping around. Um, it's only it's only four chapters. You can actually read it yourself on the way home in a pretty short while. So, similar to last week where we spent time in uh, Philippians, this is Paul writing to the church in Colossae, um, and once again he's writing from prison. Uh, this time it's to a church that he has not been to. He's, he he doesn't know the Colossians well. He's just heard reports um, of heretical teaching there. So. This letter contains a good amount of correction um, as well as encouragement. It's not like a heavy-handed correction telling the people that they're, that they're living wrong, but it's correct teaching, saying this is, this is true and this is important. Uh, there was false teachings present in the community that were denigrating and calling into question the deity of Jesus Christ, and it's a, it's a Christological hearsay. Uh, so Paul uh, wouldn't stand for it, and neither, neither should we. Uh, so put simply, if Jesus was not fully God and fully man who walked the earth, died, rose from my sins and yours, then I'm not sure what we're doing here this morning. Um, I'm glad you like talking to each other, but the reason, real reason we're here is, is the truth of that. Uh, so beginning in Colossians, Paul starts, uh, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who has also told us of your love in the Spirit. So this is... The, the, the report that Paul's heard is from Epaphras. So he's thankful for the church. And he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We've continu- we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So aware of all the false teachings, challenging the truth that Jesus is indeed one with the Father, Paul goes on from here to make plain the sovereignty of Christ. He makes it clear, uh, referring to Jesus that by him and through him all things were created in heaven and earth. He goes on to be clear, stating that Jesus is the head of the body of the church, and being the fullness of God has reconciled all things to himself, including ourselves, by the blood shed at the cross. Confident that we should now have a correct picture of Jesus, he carries on, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, 
abounding in thanksgiving. So there's that word again. Only four chapters. I think Paul mentions being thankful and thanksgiving about eight times. So quick math, that's twice a chapter. I think it's something important. Um, so that, that word again, giving joyful thanks, abounding in thanksgiving. They're written as instruction. Um, not just then you will be thankful. He's telling us to be thankful. Um, it's a mode, a mode of being for the follower of Christ. Again, he's writing from prison, telling us to be thankful, uh, that we are to be abounding in thanksgiving, and we can infer that he is abounding in thanksgiving in prison. Uh, he continues on in the, in the next verses, disqualifying and dismissing all the other false teachings about the worship of angels, legalistic observances of rituals and regulations regarding food and other things which are of no consequence in regards to your salvation or your place in eternity. Having dismissed all those wrong teachings, he carries on amplifying what is correct and the reality for us now living in the forgiveness of our sins. And he carries on says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So it's in this light of us being raised in Christ that Paul calls us to set our minds on things above, to let the geography of our circumstance be the reality that we are destined for eternity with him. It's true that where I am right now is sweating a lot in a really hot gym, uh, in a dying body, uh, wearing a knee brace, um, with a stiff neck and a stack of worldly problems to face. But even more true than that, where I am right now is in Christ, uh, seated, who is seated at the right hand of God. So I should be seeking the things that are above, because that's where I am. And frankly, I'm going to spend a lot more of my time there than in the sweaty gym. So store up your treasures in heaven. With this perspective, Paul instructs us to cast off or put to death what is earthly. He gives an inexhaustive list of earthly things that were to put to death. Uh, that includes sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, covetousness, uh, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and we can probably add to the list, including things that we're guilty of ourselves. And perhaps it seems easy enough to toss those things off, but contrary to what the world may think, the obedient life of the follower of Jesus is not a list of don'ts. I think there's a lot more that we're called to be and to do than there is not to. So being instructed to cast these earthly things aside, further it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, that's us, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed we are called in one body, and be thankful. That's the whole verse. And be thankful. Being instructed to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this, this word of thankful comes up a whole bunch through here. Uh, 
So Paul clearly has an attitude of thanksgiving. He starts his letters, all of his letters, with, I thank God for you. Even when he's writing a letter of correction and telling people that they're being awful and they got to smarten up, he always tells me he's thankful for them. And one of my arguments for the importance of being thankful is that it's tough to stay upset with someone that you're thankful for. Um, perhaps it's easier for parents to identify uh, with that more readily than most, but I think it's true across the board. I can use yesterday, the day before, and the day before that as examples that my kids are, no one can get me ready to blow my top like my kids, and they can be frustratingly adorable seconds later, and then we, my wife and I look at each other and laugh. It's tough to stay upset with them when you're so thankful for them, um, and I think that's true in all of our relationships. If I'm busy being thankful for you, I'm probably going to be a lot more caring towards you. It's easier to grow with someone when you're thankful for them. And perhaps we'd see less division between believers if we were more thankful for each other. Chapter 4. We're blasting through this book. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open us, open to us a door for the world to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So Paul's instructing us, again from prison, where he's hanging out being thankful, instructing us to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, many of us have probably had to do some unlearning in regards to prayer in our, in our own lives, either through bad teaching, lack of teaching, or observing a wrong attitude towards prayer. For many, prayer comes as uh, a last resort when I can't attain something on my own, um, or out of a place of desperation when I'm in need of aid, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong to ask for things in prayer. In fact, we're instructed to ask for the Father uh, many places in, in, uh, in Scripture. Uh, but I have trouble believing that you're praying from a posture of thankfulness if you're only coming to God with a wish list. Um, this is also something I most commonly blow my top uh, at my children about. I'm probably quickest to lose my temper when we've spent the day or a weekend or a week with them, taking them places, uh, partaking in activities designed for their enjoyment, and then we get home, and before their shoes are off, it's, can I have this? Can I eat this? Can I do this? Can I go to this friend's house? Can I have this friend over? My kids have been called ingrates by their father a number of times. Uh, but hopefully I remember to check the plank in my own eye once I tuck them into bed because I know that I can be like that. Um, and I don't want to be like that. I don't. And so when it comes to prayer, I want to come thankful already in prayer before just laying a request before God. So in the same verse, it's written to be watchful in prayer. Uh, the same word means to be alert. So Peter, Peter writes, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So that kind of watchful, that kind of alert, that the enemy is very real um, and looking for a place to pounce. And in Thessalonians, Paul warns to be watchful so the day of the Lord doesn't take you by surprise. Be alert. Be ready. Um, be conscious. Uh, 
of of the Lord, uh, of the enemy, of the, the reality of the kingdom that's behind this one. So the instruction is be alert and be thankful. So be alert and be thankful. Thankful that we're now free from sin and death. I've got really good news. You guys aren't so great, and neither am I. Scripture has some really nasty words to say about me and my, the loathsome state of the vile heart of man, which on its own is destined only for death. But the good news part of that is it's okay to be not so great because that's just you without Jesus, and that's what we have to be thankful for. This is Sunday school. The answer is Jesus all the way through. This is the foundation of our faith. We were in the pit. We were destined for worse before the love, grace, and mercy of the Father was poured out on us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, who was and is risen, sits on the throne now and forever. We're thankful for the mercy undeserved. If you're wondering today what it is you can do to be good enough for God, wonder what level of morality or what number of good deeds you need to put under your belt before I can attain salvation, that same good news is the answer is nothing. Nothing you can do will make you good enough to receive God's mercy. It's a gift. You have received it. That's something to be thankful for. So back to chapter 1 and verse 12, where we're giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people. It's he who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. So don't worry about being good enough, because you won't be. It's he who has qualified us. Without the context of Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But again, without that context, what are we doing here? If, if we weren't deserving of death, if we weren't destined for the void, then what did Jesus die for? It's a gift of life in Christ Jesus that we received. We did nothing to earn it. Our sin kept us unfathomably far from God the Father. You and I are incapable of earning this. This is a gift we are thankful for. If you've never received a birthday gift, I'm sorry. If you've never received a Christmas gift, I'm sorry. If you never had a family, we can be your family. But know you've already received the greatest of gifts. The rest of them are worthless when compared. So be thankful. Being watchful and aware is the absolutely freeing reminder of the necessity of prayer and that we are completely dependent on God. If we're watchful and aware, we're going to realize more and more we need God. And we'll be thankful for that. Thankful that because Jesus, having laid down his life for us, gave us a renewed and right relationship with God the Father that we were hopelessly unequipped to have any hope of attaining for ourselves. We're thankful that the ear of God is available and open to us who belong in Christ. So thankfulness, not a new idea for followers of Christ. Old Testament, New Testament, it's full of thankfulness, but perhaps sometimes it's a forgotten idea, or at least one that's overlooked. We forget the goodness of God. Um, sometimes we can come and sing about the goodness of God without actually remembering the goodness of God. The world is loud and dark, and we know that it needs Jesus. We have much that we should ask for, but first we should be thankful. It's forgetfulness. It's not a new pattern either. Um, Bible has lots of stories about people being very, very forgetful about the goodness of God. Uh, a really condensed retelling of God liberating his, his, uh, his people, the Israelites, from Egypt. Pharaoh concedes to let them go, and the people rejoice. 
Then they come up to the Red Sea with the enemy on their heels, and all hope is lost. They've forgotten everything that's happened. Um, uh, they cross the Red Sea. They're excited. Uh, they're, they're all thankful and rejoicing again. Um, and then they're hungry, and all hope is lost. Um, there's 14 accounts of grumbling and complaining just through the books of Exodus and Numbers. We can be so forgetful about the goodness of God. Uh, the people who've witnessed with their eyes supernatural plagues, miraculous liberation of God's people from the, from the Egyptians who followed a pillar of smoke and fire around the desert just can't keep it together for more than three days sometimes before they begin to complain or make idols to worship in place of God. And here in a country with clean running water, I can be very quick to judge but how quickly we can forget the goodness of God. And I shake my head at myself. But I'm so glad that Jesus rescued me. If I'm taken tomorrow or taken right now while speaking, God has done more than enough already in my life to be thankful for from now through eternity. I have a friend uh, who used to get annoyed a bit with the song that sings repeatedly, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. Uh, and her reason was that there's so many other attributes of God's that I want to sing about. That's what she would say. And I think that's a really good point. But the fact is, God's love is so vast and inexhaustible, we could sing of it forever. And in the same way, I could spend eternity just meditating on all the things I have to be thankful for. That's how much God has done for me. If we can't think of anything to be thankful for, that's a reflection on our hard hearts and not on the loving heart of the Father. So why be thankful? Why is it important? Why am I claiming it's a necessary posture for the faithful? Well, my first argument would be uh, obedience. Uh, Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen. Uh, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I think obedience is important. That's a reason to be thankful. Another reason is simply it's, it's good for us. Uh, it's good for us to be thankful, but it's good for us to be thankful. Uh, a thankful heart cannot be a hardened heart. A thankful heart, only a thankful heart, can echo the words of Nehemiah and proclaim the joy of the Lord is my strength. Another reason is a thankful heart is loud. Um, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So a thankful heart, abounding in thanksgiving. Other translations read, uh, strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thanksgiving. I had the privilege of seeing one of my favorite bands last month. They're on a farewell tour. And I got a song that slays me every time. But the line in the song says, a glass can only spill what it contains. So that overflowing with thankfulness, we are a good witness. Overflowing with thankfulness, uh, it spills out of us uh, and touches those around us. Um, We're a good witness to ourselves, uh, to the fellowship of the body of Christ, and to believers wandering in the darkness. That posture of thankfulness is evidence of who, who really is Lord in our life. That thankfulness is proof that we really believe that Jesus is king. That thankfulness is fruit of a heart free of resentment. A heart that knows the meaning of forgiveness. It's easier said than done, perhaps, but I'd remind us that Paul has seen a lot more hardships than any of us will ever know. 
Uh, and it, again, he's writing this from prison. Uh, a thankful heart knows forgiveness and is free to forgive. A thankful heart is a giving heart. A thankful heart recognizes that it has much and gives much. Chapter 2, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows... Sorry, Corinthians 9, 9 verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think a, thank, a, a cheerful giver has a thankful heart. So then how? How do we get into or keep a mindset of thankfulness? We can be, we can be so distracted and so forgetful. I don't think it's as hard as it seems. My real answer is just look to God and remember. If you find yourself in a spot so low that you can't see what you have to be thankful for right now, just remember the good that God did yesterday and know he'll do it again. If you can't remember yesterday and look back further, he's still the same faithful God working all things together for the good of those called to his purpose. That's Romans. If today is really that dark and look to Romans 8.18 the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed so we have tomorrow to be thankful for and all the tomorrows after that at some point someone's going to call me out for always hammering the same note but I'm not that good a musician if your mindset is on eternity then the moment matters not if I'm caught up being thankful for eternity and the suffering of today is of very little concern. And maybe it's so dark a day that you can't recall anything you've ever had to be thankful for. And I'm an ingrate by nature, so I've been there as well. Uh, so I would say open to Genesis 1. Just read the story of creation. See the heart of the Father in that story. Find Jesus in that story. See your place in that story. And be thankful that before there were stars in the sky, the Father loved you. Look through the word story by story. His faithfulness is shown throughout all of Scripture. Don't skip the boring chronologies or family trees, because that's further testimony to his faithfulness and his perfect plan. Be thankful for the cross. Just be thankful. Your view of Jesus Christ will impact every area of your life. So many today only want practical instruction, helps for living, and so many teachers in the church cater to that at a cost of teaching the gospel. Many cast aside theology and doctrine and right teaching, viewing them as a secondary importance or reserved for academics. But a right view of Jesus emerges as right living. Paul clearly believed that. That's why we have the letter to the Colossians, just to set write their view of Jesus and in the right view of Jesus we would be thankful so Paul heard reports of Christological problems with the Colossian church understood that that had practical importance as well we have died with Christ therefore we need to die to our sins we have also been raised with Christ therefore we must live well in him and put on qualities that are motivated by Christian love And because he is Lord over all, 
the life of a follower of Christ is a life of submission to Jesus. Our faith in Jesus Christ should transform the relationships that we have in every area of our lives, in our homes, our churches, our work, the world. And much of that stems from thanksgiving. Our thankfulness is the fruit of our salvation, and our thankfulness bears its own fruit. So be alert and be thankful. It's good for you. Um, On prayer as encouragement, there are studies that show that people who spend time in prayer of any kind, regardless of faith, have healthy cortisol levels and less stress. Prayer is literally healthy for you. It's one more thing to be thankful for. So be alert and be thankful in prayer. That's my plea this morning. God, you've done this in my life, and I know you'll do it again. God, you've done this in my life. I know you can do it in theirs. God, you loved and rescued filthy sinners like me throughout Scripture. And I'm confident that you can save even an ungrateful heart like mine. So in prayer, in fellowship, in worshiping together, start with thankfulness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. Enter his courts with praise. The psalmist is saying to start there, not to work yourself up to it. Don't enter and then find thanksgiving. Enter with thanksgiving. I'm just going to read Psalm 100, and then I'm going to wrap up. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his loving devotion endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. So a posture of thanksgiving is essential to the daily life of a follower of Christ. Thankfulness is an essential ingredient for prayer, for fellowship, for growth, for forgiveness, for a right view of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Thankfulness is an important ingredient for worship as well. So I'm just going to pray that we will all just understand thankfulness and thanksgiving more uh, and we'll be better for it and we'll do better for it as well. Uh, And then we're going to, with that heart of thankfulness, uh, sing some more worship. We'll probably sing a few songs. And then thankful, we'll head out those doors and we'll uh, have some coffee and, and fellowship and get to know each other more. Father God, We have so much to be thankful for. We have, from creation through eternity, to be thankful for. God, we thank you that you loved us first before we were around to take a breath, before our parents were around to take a breath. You loved us first. And God, it's with that thankfulness in our hearts that we want to come to you. We want to bless your name. And we want to walk in obedience where that thankfulness is spilling out of us. And we can serve 
thankfully. It seems like there's no cost when you're already thankful to serve. We're already grateful for what you have. It's so easy to give. Thank you, God, that you've given so much. Thank you, God, that we have this morning. So my ask, God, is that you would soften our hearts even more. Show us even more just what it is to be thankful. And we rely on you for that. And thank you that you are faithful and you answer prayer. Thank you, God.